Hello and welcome to Growing Through Dance, the podcast for dancers, parents of dancers, would-be dancers, in fact for everyone with an interest in moving, fitness, expressing themselves through body language and enjoying life. In part one of this episode, we will hear how one young girl's dance journey realised her dream to make her hobby into a professional performance career. Hello and welcome to Growing Through Dance. My guest today is the lovely Hannah Ponting a multi-talented current professional performer. Hannah is a true theatre triple threat who sings, dances and acts. Hannah, we have a shared history here. As a member of Sirencester Creative Dance Academy, DCDA, would you like to just share with us some of your memories of your childhood dancing? Yeah, of course, absolutely. I mean, I started at CCDA, I think I was about four, four or five And it started as doing classes on a Saturday morning, maybe a ballet tap and a modern class. Um, But as the years sort of went on, I ended up probably dancing maybe five or six times a week after school, all all day at the weekend. And it was it was my hobby. It was my life. It was sort of I just adored it. And I probably spent most of my childhood at CCDA, I think, which is it's just brilliant. It's obviously made it was the basis of where I am sort of now and for me the the thing about CCDA was although obviously it was all about the dancing it was really about the friendships as well and my best friend today Connie is still my best friend from when we met back in 1990 whatever it was dancing together so for me that that's really a life-changing thing as well but, I mean, it was amazing. I remember doing, we did a couple of shows every year. And there was also a sort of a time when I was a bit older and doing all of the dance festivals, which is the competitions. And we used to travel around all over the UK doing all of these competitions. And for me, I think that was the, that was the main start of the performance side because I was doing sort of solos or duet so much smaller group and that's really I think the stage where I learned to perform on the stage really because it's so exposing you're literally you know on your own doing a ballet solo you know in front of loads of people that you don't know and I think that was probably for me the kind of start of the performance like loving the performing side of it as well when you said to your mother or father if you have any say in it I want to do a solo. What did they say about it? I mean, they were always so encouraging. My mum is actually a very sort of shy person. So I think whenever I got on stage doing a solo, she was actually probably more nervous than I was. Um, Mm -hmm. But they were always so encouraging. My parents could just tell how much I loved it. So me sort of saying to them, I want to do a solo, you know, they were nothing but encouraging sort of thinking, yeah, what a fantastic opportunity, really, because in a lot of dance schools, you you don't get that opportunity to do solos or duets. You know, it's all very group-based, which, of course, is extremely important. But I think there's there are definitely different things to learn from doing ensemble work or doing sort of the smaller things, because it's all on you, really. You know, if, if you forget some of the step, you're the one that has to pretend like you haven't. And I think, again, that's a huge learning curve, the fact that you just have to carry on 
you know, you can't just sort of stop and say, oh, I'd like to start again, please. Because it's live theatre, you just have to keep going. So do you think one of the learnings that you, you got out of your dance, besides the skills, was that confidence to, to help you carry on? Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, that is something that's, you know, taught in, in the dance schools as well. Because when you go to see a professional show, they don't, they don't just stop halfway, you know, or it, you can tell that things do go wrong, you know, and it works through musical theatre as well in, in terms of, say, if you forget to bring a prop on stage or something like that. You don't just then sort of pretend to mime a, a mug or something, for example. You have to think so quickly, what can I say or what can I do that will portray the same thing without the actual object being there? And it's definitely the same for dance because you're the only one that knows the routine, you know, or you and your dance teacher. The audience have no clue. You know, it's, I think that's definitely a really important thing that I learned to do. Definitely. Yeah. So sometimes parents will ring up and say to me we want to send our children to dance it's quite expensive to dance and one of the things I quite often say to parents is you're not just learning to dance we've just heard already that you feel you had that confidence given to you to almost improvise but Mm. also I would say more use initiative yes Um, absolutely yeah. yeah yeah is there anything else that you think it gave to you Absolutely. And with the confidence as well, it's the initiative to carry on. But also, I feel that it's, it's confidence in, in general, because even in a dance class, even if you're, you know, at a ballet bar, you're still dancing and other people can see you. So I feel like that has given me confidence at school, you know, even just to put my hand up and give an answer. And whether it's right or wrong, it, it was kind of irrelevant because it gives you the drive to sort of want to do things and want to be open. So it's confidence in that sense as well. And also social skills, I think. Just just in general, just being able to be in an environment that's so safe and welcoming. You know, dance really promotes that whole thing, I think. The, the social skills are incredible from that. You know, being in class with people, making friendship and just having personality that is willing you know to talk to other people to explain things to yeah I think it's kind of just that really Mm -hmm. yeah so so social skills as well that's that's really interesting because the traditional ballet teacher for example is always very non-approachable very stern and you know if you do anything wrong it's the traditional idea that um, people are told off and made to look silly in a class did you find that happen to you no I think and I can appreciate that maybe that does still happen but I feel like it it never happened to me definitely not a CCDA Uh, and during my professional training again I I didn't feel like that that was the case I felt like people my teachers there were trying to encourage me to be better you know it was never that's wrong what are you doing it's uh or maybe try this way of doing it or make sure you're extending, make sure, you know, so they may be perceived as negative things, but it was never stand up tall or you get get out of the class kind of thing, which is great because I feel like, like you say, that definitely I think was and possibly is still what people perceive it to be like. But I know any of the classes that I've done, it's now becoming such 
an environment where you do feel comfortable and it's it's about growth and about improvement and encouragement and I think in the industry as a whole we that's what we need to promote too. Um, one of the things I'm just interested in you said that you gained this confidence and you started to understand that you could perform when did you actually say to yourself I want to do this for a living? Oh that's a really tricky question. I I was very young when I decided that I wanted to do it as a career. Um, and, and it did start off just as a hobby. But I think probably by, I think when I was maybe 10, I sort of thought, oh, this would be, this would be amazing. Not really understanding the industry or, you know, if it was, you know. Um, but I think that, and that was the point where I probably did start coming to more classes. And it really was kind of everything I thought about and did. You know, I would be in my living room dancing to songs and I was forever making up my own choreography or I remember, um, <laughs> I do remember watching uh, one of our shows, Time Steps, is one of the very first ones I did. I think maybe, oh, I don't know the date of it. Uh, um, late 90s. <laughs> or was it 2000? Yeah. Um, and I remember, I think it was, it was either uh, Penny or Sophie and they were doing Fuete turns in, in one of the dances. And I just remember for hours, I was just watching them do these turns in my living room thinking, right, okay, I see what they're doing and I'm trying to work out. And I basically would just practice all these steps that were way too hard for me at the time. And I just would practice for hours until, you know, I was able to do the things and, for me, that was really inspiring to see the older ones, you know, mm. do it really. So I, yeah, I definitely was young when I decided that, that it was what I wanted to do. So sure. when did you share that with your parents though? When did you actually say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be on stage? <laughs> um, probably, probably when it, when I got to my GCSEs maybe, and sort of, I feel like that's a stage, you know, as a, as a child that you think, right, what kind of am I, pathways what can I do now how do I want to sort of where do I want my journey to go basically and so that's when I did I did a dance A level and drama A level um, at college all the time in my head you know still going to dance classes and things thinking right the next step will be a dance school or you know university and I think that was the point where I really was like this is kind of the path I've chosen now I want to go as far with this as I possibly can. So then obviously you, you thought about your professional training and so where did would you like to sort of talk about where you decided to go? Yeah absolutely um so like? <laughs> yeah absolutely um so I trained at the Erdang Academy in London funnily enough it was actually an audition that I didn't want to go to I'd auditioned at uh, by this point as well, um, I had sort of started singing lessons and, and doing lots of drama things as well. So I definitely knew that I wanted to do an all-round musical theatre kind of course. So I auditioned at a, quite a lot of places um, like Bird, GSA, Mount View, um, Formers, um, Italia Conti, a few others. Um, in my head, I had that Erdang was kind of a hip-hop dance school which many people still have that idea about it. But my mum was kind of like, just give it a go, Hannah. You know, let's just see what happens. So the first, this is my first year of auditions to get into dance school as well. I was offered the diploma at Erdang. But at this point, I'd sort of done the audition. My mind was kind of blown. I was like, wow, this is 
the place I want to go, which for me was a bit crazy because for months before I'd been like, no, I don't really want to audition there. It's not really for me, which is possibly the worst thing to do because how do you know it's not for you if you mm. don't go there? But I sort of, yeah, walked through the doors and I felt like I was in fame, the movie. So <laughs> it, was, it was just ridiculous. And the whole audition day was amazing. It was really, you know, we did a jazz routine, we did ballet, we had to sing on our own, sort of the whole thing. And they offered me the diploma. But at the time, I really wanted to do a degree. Also, funding was, had become a bit strange at the time that I got the diploma. I think it was the year that the Dada's sort of had faded out. So I thought, I'm actually just going to hold off for a year, I'm, you know, continue training and uh, audition again next year which is quite an expensive thing to do. But in my head, I was adamant that I was going to go to one of these colleges and, and it was all I wanted to do. So I was like, that's fine. I'll go next year. Um, auditioned again for, for a few. I didn't want to keep any of my options kind of closed off. Yeah, got offered places in quite a few of the colleges the second year round, um, but chose to go to Erdang to do the musical theatre degree, which turned out to be probably the best three years of my life, really. It was really kind of a dream come true. It was waking up every day um, and being in ballet by, you know, quarter past eight in the morning and then doing a singing class, then doing an acting class, then doing jazz and then do, finishing at like maybe seven in the evening. And I think back now and I think, how on earth did I do <laughs> yeah. all of those hours every day of the hey, week? Yes, yeah. It is actually, I don't know how anyone did it, but I think it was, you know, I just, I loved what I was doing. So it was easy in a sense to get up and go. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was hard work. It was extremely, extremely hard, but also so rewarding. Like I said, really, I, I was literally living my dream. I was, I was in fame, the movie, but every day, you know, for three years. So do you think that your professional training really gave you lots of other attributes that you now use? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely sort of stamina side of it, because, you know, like I said, it is, it's all day, every day. You've, you've just, you've, you know, you've got to, you've got to really kind of respect your body as well in, in this, which I definitely learned at college was you can't do 11 hours, say, of dancing a day and then you know, not fuel your body with water and food and healthy foods and having baths and icing your legs and all of all things that doing dancing maybe once a week, the things you don't really have to do because it's just a hobby. It's just, mm. you know, what you do. But when it becomes a choice that you're going to do it professionally, you really do have to learn how to look after your body for sure. Because it is, it, it's a crazy strain on your body. And I think in that sense as well, you, you do learn what your body sort of needs and wants. And I definitely learned that from college. You have to push yourself, obviously, but you need to know when the point is to say, actually kicking my leg another six times in a row, I'm probably, <laughs> you know, <laughs> going to rip a hamstring or something, you know, and I, and I do feel like, not even just at Erdang, but at CCDA and things like that, you gain a full understanding of, of your body. And that's from learning dance, really. I feel like if I try and do things like skiing or ice skating now, I know how to hold my body and how to control where the weight needs to be. And even just 
obviously during this weird crazy year that we've had we've mm. been sitting at computers or you know and even to like have the right posture and recognize oh actually I need to be sitting up a bit straighter here I need to be putting my shoulders back because otherwise that's going to hurt my lower back which is going to hurt my hips which is going to hurt my feet you know and I think those are things that you don't really think about if you're not within a dance kind of background really mm -hmm. um so I think definitely an understanding of your body definitely and I think as well at Erdang I it was it was really hard you know and like the level of training as well so I think you know the skills that I learned there were just crazy and because we had teachers from the West End or you know teachers who one of our ballet teachers was literally I mean she must be 90 years old but she, she would literally sit there and she'd go, okay, girls, and develop your leg. And her leg would be coming up past her ear. And it was like the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was just mad. But no, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And again, with that, I, I now have friends that I trained with at Erdang that I speak to them every day, you know, mm. still. And I graduated five years ago now and, and oh, still every day. I, I know, it's <laughs> terrible, isn't it? It's really terrible. But yeah, so I think definitely learned a lot. Do you feel that the friendships were supportive there? Because, I mean, certainly pre-professional training, I've heard from you that you, you had a lot of friendship support. Do you think they were within your professional training? Or what? I think, again, another myth, if you like, is that um, everybody's at each other's throat and <laughs> trying to climb over each other. So yeah, it, was that the case? or just it's the odd really, view or? it's a funny one because that myth is true to an extent because the industry is extremely saturated in my degree course I think I had there were 40 people but in my year at Erdang so that includes the diploma as well there was probably 150 maybe wow. that's no that's a big amount and that's just from one drama school one year and unfortunately there aren't that many jobs to go mm. around. In a certain sense, you are always competing with your peers. However, I think it then comes down to who you choose your friends to be, because in, from my perspective, I know that my friends are incredibly supportive and we all are together towards each other because we know how hard it is. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, all of my friends, have been in jobs and then not in jobs when and then someone else has been in a job so and personally you know what it feels like to be in a job if my friends were to get an amazing job I would be elated for them because you can just appreciate how hard it is to get yeah. a job and you know so I think you have to be supportive uh, otherwise I think you just live your life in misery to be honest mm. Because absolutely. it is so hard. There's so much competition. So, yeah, absolutely. Choose your friends wisely because if you do, they'll always be there to support you no matter what. Thank you, Hannah, for sharing your dance journey. We look forward to hearing about your life as a professional performer in part two of this episode on Growing Through Dance. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then please subscribe, download and share the podcast Growing Through Dance. Thank you for listening to me, your host, Catherine Lucy. Thank you.